0: So, my name is Cody Woods. Uh, my website's codyjwoods.com. I produce live events because I'm a stand up comedian. I do online content, I've been on TV a few times.
1: It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I'm excited whenever I get to talk to a comedian, and no, folks, there's not going to be this, you know, rapid fire, and when the chicken crossed the road, we ain't going to do any of that, you know, or when I got off the toilet, you know, we don't have to do any of that, just a conversation to show you the life of a stand-up comedian, he's not new to the game at all, He's, he's seasoned, and you know, we're going to have like a real dialogue with Cody Woods. You are a funny guy, and you don't have to be funny at all on this podcast. So all right, feel cool. free. This is a safe space. This isn't, you know, the sway of comedy. Well, tell us the another one. So welcome to the show, my bruv. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing good, man. It's uh, 9 a.m. here on the West Coast, so I'm glad there's no pressure to be funny. My brain doesn't turn on until about 3 p.m., so...
1: Hey, don't let it turn on until that invoice is paid or, you know, that payment is paid, because I think people think comedians are, like, funny all the time, and half the time, a lot of them are depressed, but give us the game on, like, you know, how you got into this, why did you get into comedy, and just, you know, how, how you started
0: Uh, i started when i was a kid i wanted to do it since i was a kid but i was an older kid when i started i started when i was uh either 16 or 17. it's getting a little blurry these days because i'm 34 now um but i wanted to do it since i was like three maybe five years old uh eddie murphy's stand-up i I i thought it was impossible for one person to just be funny for a group of people it just doesn't seem possible and the way Eddie Murphy did it, I was like, "Man, I want to be that guy so bad and that that thirst has never really stopped um it's evolved, but it's always kind of been in me that thirst to uh to be in control and laugh making everybody laugh it's it's pretty great that control is amazing once you once you're able to actually use it, it takes forever to get good though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it takes forever for forever how long does it take to you know when you talk about control the way you take out hecklers you're so calm and just you know you're you're in your zone almost it's like you need to be at um i don't know if you remember uptown comedy club or oh yeah you know yeah you know it's like yeah i got you please come to the show trying to be part of the show you know i'll make you famous
0: yeah yeah you have to have that or at least for me you got to have that um, mentality of i really wish you would because you know and that's really life you know the people that are just they have that mentality of i really wish you would they have an edge even though if they don't start it they they were wanting it to start you know like they're they have a mental edge on you and honestly i learned that being the only white kid in my schools I learned a different mentality when it came to confrontation, because most of the schools I went to, I was the only white kid. Everybody else was mostly black. Right. And I, there's the first time I ever heard, I really wished you would. I heard that from everybody. I was like, why would you wish that? That seems very inconvenient. <laughs> but uh, and then I learned that mentality of like, if you wish for the problem, you'll be able to deal with it when it arrives. And that I've, that into my stand-up so like when when there was audience members that were unruly i'm waiting for it you know and uh that's also where i started too because i kind of started in that circuit um you know i was doing i was opening for like bruce bruce and you know all these like deaf comedy jam legends and stuff and they would test me so i waited for the test I wanted the test. So then eventually I got really good at just sort of being on top of them when they started. Uh, But that took about, you know, I say about 10 years, 10 years for my brain to really start working up there. Like as if me and you were talking now, that's that level of comfort and thinking quick came about 10 years of being on stage because everybody thinks fast that's one thing everybody thinks that comedians think really fast but not everyone thinks fast it's just if you're comfortable you'll think as fast as you know Tom Brady thinks fast but so do I but if I was as comfortable as Tom Brady I'd be able to think and read the way he did but I wouldn't be comfortable in that situation my brain would freeze up Mm -hmm. so that's really what all it is you just it's just comfort but everybody's mind is quick you know so, got you
1: so your brain would freeze if you had like a 300 pounder coming at you in the pocket yeah. and you know where tom is like yeah this is this is it and i'm going to take the hit i got you i got you yep. tell the people where you know you talk about being a minority in the school you know where did you grow up and just, you know, how did you find that comedy helped, you know, with those relationships growing up? Because so many kids now are on like medication or, you know, not able to function because they're being bullied where bullying used to be. I mean, it just was part of the thing. You either learn how to be funny or fight um, or you became the bully. So give us the game.
0: Yeah, uh, that was I, I don't really want to advocate bullying because I could see how some people might not have an outlet to turn it into a positive. I had an outlet because I knew that it would make me funnier. I knew I'd have to get quick and be the guy that could roast someone uh if they were bullying me. And then it just sort of it gave me a thicker skin and a quicker wit. And you know, I thank God I grew up the way I did. Because I'll be honest, I'm around other white people that didn't grow up the way I did. And they're very soft. (laughs) and i have a hard time relating to them because they didn't go through that and i, I don't want to advocate bullying because i remember it being traumatic i had to really remember i was like man should kids get bullied because like it did this for me it did all these positives but i had to really think of what my mind was back then it was pretty bad and that was without social media if i had to go through that and then with social media it I don't know if I would have made it out because that shit is rough, but and, and that's me changing my opinion because there for years I was just like, man, these kids, these pussies, but they weren't <laughs> going, they weren't going through like newspapers talking about your business. You know what I mean? That's that's all this social media is. It's newspapers on your life. Um, They're, they're that's a little different, you know, because I would say this is uh, Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, Um, people think that it's all Toto and all that. No, it ain't. It's it's basically, I don't know. You know, like Toledo, Ohio, and Detroit.
1: Yeah, it's
0: the best description because we got like Kansas City up there, right? Kansas City shits down into, Wichita the way Detroit shits down into. So. I know Wichita.
1: I know Wichita. I went to school first in uh, Ottawa. And so I was down the street from Lawrence, and um, yeah, I, I know I know Wichita because well, I'll tell you how I know Wichita, Manhattan. You know that'll be off-air conversation. Um, yeah. but, but being in that that realm, I think people think like you're saying, you know, that's called the heartland of America, and everything is just so perfect. But there's some real poverty still yeah. to this day out there that never gets a highlight like if if, if you or anybody tries to come out with a rap song and talk about how hard Wichita people are like Wichita stop it right (laughs) stop it you know where I'm from Oakland and Oakland looks like you know Beverly Hills it's so gentrified and everything for most part for many parts I should say yeah
0: right and I grew up in the Bay Area after the Wichita so I know Oakland really well um that's that was the comedy scene I came up in was Oakland. So Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's
1: <laughs> I saw you I saw you did something with um, you know, you've opened for like Paul Mooney, which that's yeah. like, you know, I mean, that that's a legend right there. Um, one of one of my faves. Now from Wichita to Oakland, can you tell people and even tell you know white people who haven't experienced what you've experienced? Like, what is the difference and what you learn? Because they're like, "Wait, well, what's the key to dealing with them?" I don't want to be called a Karen anymore. I don't want to be called a Kevin. Like, what's <laughs> Kevin. what did you? Yeah, what did you go through and see to say I'm I'm, I'm good? I got I got a little Teflon on me. I'm a Teflon done.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'll be honest. Just before I get into that. Mm-hmm. I knew Karen was going to be the female word for, you know, this is like three years ago. I'm like, man, whoever's named Karen, you're, 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 I don't know if I can cuss on here, but you're. Yeah, yeah,
1: you great. say what you want.
0: But I was like, they're going to have a male one soon. And I bet you it's going to be Cody. Am I about to be fuck And then they went with Kevin. I was like, oh, thank God. Because, man, <laughs> it could have easily been Cody. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yes. For real. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I, you got to carry yourself a certain way, you know? and the only way to carry yourself is to sort of wish someone would but also just have respect i don't know i i don't know what their problem is to be honest because i've never been them you know what i mean mm-hmm. i'm talking about white people that grew up around mostly white people i don't know what's going on in their heads but i do have to assume um I don't know. I think they're they're so addicted to the comfort that they have, that they just their entire personality and everything just sort of changes, uh and they have no reason to change it. If that makes sense. See, I I had a reason to adapt because I had to, but I'm thankful for that because it changed me as a person. I I would take the strengths that I gained from that, then you know, and still you know the trauma was worth it. I don't know about these kids today because it's worse with social media like i said but i think i think uh the comfort zone that many white people have to battle uh it'll improve them as a person there's a comfort zone especially out here in the west coast man some of these woke white people they're the worst <laughs> they're actually the worst i'm not even talking about the country bumpkins man I'm talking yeah. about those those hipsters over in oakland sipping their coffee they're the worst Because they have a way of fronting like they're like an ally or something, you know, but really they're in their comfort bubble. And they're looking at guys like me that know how to make fun of the line between white and black. And they want to call me like racist in order to get favor of black people without having to be near black people. That makes sense. Like I'm the I'm the scapegoat. They'll cancel me in order for them to look good, even though black people are liking my shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Your, your 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 stuff is, is is classic and you talk about like you know the difference between poor white people and poor black people how they dress you guys go check out that joke because i'm not going to do it justice or even try uh-huh. but see i i am from born in oakland and then raised in concord in a mixed like if i'm not if my mother's not in the picture you would think i was webster and so I know both sides because back there in Concord in the Clayton days, there was no one to cut your hair and you had to go to church two to three times a week. Right. Mm. So I know being in West Oakland in the Acorns at its height and then going home and like, well, I could have stayed with my aunt, but this is con- I got my two toy boxes over here. Right. But. To be black and trying to compete with even poor black folk, that's a whole nother, a whole nother topic. Because you're like, hey, we got the money, but now you got to make sure, you know, because they'll be like, man, you got money and, you know, whatever that means, because none of it was ours. But you got to see the best of both worlds in yourself, because you go from Kansas to Oakland and you see how everybody is so woke, so hip, just mm-hmm. means everyone's sleeping together. Um, <laughs> that's all that means. Um, you know that that's the, the the thing. But with the comedy, you know, in the Bay Area, it could it could really cost you your life to go to certain clubs, and I'm not talking about you know the Jimmy's or you know some of the nicer places. I'm sure you had to start in some places, it might have been the skating rink or something, you know, in Danville, since you know it'd be at the golden Danville. skate. <laughs> yeah. Like, how was it trying to get your foot in the door? What did you have to do to get, you know, just get on stage?
0: Um just to get on stage that part i don't remember i think it was a lot of vouching like i would do good at open mics and then other comics that were more uh seasoned than me would vouch and i would get into places um and i and then i had to still follow through i had to still do well and the way i approached those hostile rooms was like prison the first day just pick a fight with somebody you know mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I would I got up and I was looking to sort of like roast someone or say something crazy right out of the bat to take control. Right. So that was always my, and looking at back at it now, I, I definitely overcompensated. I was like, yeah, I was a little much, I mean, it works, but I was like, <laughs> I don't, I'm glad I don't have to do that shit no more. But uh, yeah, that, that was sort of the thing is going into hostile rooms and just sort of attacking or just saying something crazy. Um. To the point where it's like, I might get jumped. You have to get like right to that, right there, just before getting jumped. That's the level you have to take it to in order to get the respect and the chance. And then you get the chance. You got to deliver something funny. So that's, that was my life for years. And then doing that circuit eventually got me to um, showcase for Kevin Hart, Heart of the City, the Oakland episode. So then it was uh out of 50 comics we all had to compete at this soul food restaurant called Lena's. I don't know if you've ever been to Lena's, but um and then we taped uh for Comedy Central uh from, through that through me doing like soul food restaurants and shit, you know. Um and what's interesting is the rest of the bay didn't really acknowledge that scene because who was in San Francisco is all the white hipsters. They didn't come to the East Bay to do everybody else's comedy shows. They stayed in their own little bubble. And what was funny is I wasn't really allowed on their shows because I was tainted because I do Oakland and all that shit. And that, that actually like ruined my career for many years because a lot of the mainstream of Hollywood was dictated by the, the hipster white people scene. And
1: so are you telling me are you telling me it's kind of like porn because you are playing, you know, with the black, the blacks, the blacks, you're playing with the black. That's my words, not his, y'all. Um, you know, I don't want you to that's Trump. But you know, because you did something with the blacks, you weren't able to go, wow, that's crazy. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's like, yeah, like the it's like porn, like the white lady gets tainted by the yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. Um, but those same hipsters were the ones that would like try to call me racist or some shit you know just so that way they could you know so it really fucked up my career forever like it still does actually and if it wasn't for uh the black comedy community i wouldn't have a career like i wasn't no doors were opening it was only that door that kept staying open and i think it i think it's because i was lucky enough from my childhood to develop my sense of humor in a way where that's my market because if i didn't have that market i'd be I'd, I'd have nothing you know so that's what i mean by like the bullying it became a positive later in life it gave me a career kids today i don't know like they might not get a career out of their bullying they might just get their ass whooped and then you know then they become an incel and that that's it <laughs> you know so i don't know if i want to be pro-bullying but well they Well,
1: the internet also, think about this. If you are, you know, getting bullied, let's say for whatever the reason is, usually the bully is going through his own trauma at home. And kids, Cody's not telling you to do this, but Kellen surely is. Follow your bully home or, you know, dox him or something and say, look how he's living Look at, you know, there's roaches here. Look at the the, the county with the reports. And, and he might've beat me up, but life is really whooping him. I mean, you can really go online and maybe the doxing part you leave out because that might be illegal in your state. But, you know, there's, there's ways that the person who was getting bullied can go back and, you know, get some retaliation because I think it builds character. You know, it builds character. You wouldn't be who you are without it. Without it, I wouldn't be such a great fighter um as well uh with without it and i'm a good fighter and i haven't had to fight in in decades but i'm i still train still train you know and and i'm sometimes funny because i want to laugh more than i want to fight fighting is the last resort but um and 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 you guys know (laughs) don't play with me
0: Right. Well, see that's another thing. There has to be that element of physical confrontation, even in verbal confrontation. I think that even carries over in the corporate world. If you have that like like someone could smell like this guy might fuck me up. Like it does something even in the whole other realm, like maybe in business or talking. Like I did have that uh, like in comedy, I was willing to fight after the show. And that happened a few times, right? And it's just cuz the environment I grew up in and I, I bring this up because I got a message on Instagram from a kid seeing my heckler videos. He's like, hey, man, can you teach me how to, like, roast someone the way you do? Because I'm getting made fun of by this kid, you know, all these people. And then I said, "Um, all right, so what's their gender? I'm trying to figure out, like, what type of bullying it is, you know. And uh, I basically told him, I was like, all right, you need to go take jujitsu and Muay Thai straight up. Mm-hmm. You need to go do that. Because the level you need to go to, you might need to fight after you say this shit, and also you'll be able to think on your quick, think on your feet quicker if you can beat someone's ass, because you'll be comfortable. You'll be comfortable confronting someone if you're willing to go to the ultimate level, you know. So yeah, yeah. I, it's funny you say that because I'm I'm pro kids doing like martial arts, but real martial arts. Mar- Basically, just Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. That's it. None of that other bullshit. Because yeah. I took Taekwondo as a kid and I had to fight this like 250 pounds. Oh, man. He's like two, maybe like 210. He's 6'4. And I was 13 years old. I was probably about 95 pounds, maybe 100 pounds, five, four. Right. But I had to fight because I had to show the rest of school that I wasn't afraid to fight him. But this mm-hmm. dude, I remember his name was Akhenaten. <laughs> He's, he, he sounds as big as he is and he just picked a fight with me he said i hit him in the head when i didn't and then i had to fight him after the uh you know after they dropped us off the school bus blah blah, blah. everybody's watching i tried doing some taekwondo shit man he knocked me out so clean like i was out he drilled me hard <laughs> and to the point where he was trying to help me up because then he's like oh shit i might go to jail Cause this dude got held back at least seven times this guy's like 34 <laughs> years old and, and so he's trying to wake me up I'm like hey sorry man i didn't mean you know but you know that helped i showed that i wasn't scared but i still had some bullshit ass martial arts that didn't work yeah and it fucking, it got me fucked up <laughs>
1: Well, you know, everybody, my girls even do jujitsu because it's the only martial arts that you can be on your back, somebody bigger, and you can get them off and, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it works. But the thing about when you talk about fighting and business, when you can go in confidently into the boardroom, negotiate your contract, because you can say, I can have it or I don't have to have it. But yeah. I know that these people can't whoop me in any way or form. They're not going to beat me because we can take it to any level. And I'm at least going to compete. And that's, you know, you have to have that. If not, you're going to get paid 50 bucks a gig for whatever you do. Be a plumber, you're going to get paid 50 bucks. Be a comedian, 50 bucks. And, you know, it it just, it it makes you fearless. Not that you want to hurt anybody. You know, we're not Trump or we want to go in the middle of the street and shoot someone and have the crowd follow us. Like, yeah, he did it. No, and that's my Irish twin. You guys know that's my (laughs) Irish twin. But I don't, you know... It's not necesito, but tell people, like a lot of people say, hey, Kellen, I want to be in entertainment, but I don't want to go through like the decade that it's going to take that I hear everybody like, what's the shortcut? And I only have one thing become infamous, but the, w- tell the people like the journey of you didn't just get paid. You first have to earn your way on stage. When did the payment come? And when did the payment come where you could actually say, hey, this is full time for me?
0: All right. So, um, yeah. Okay. So when did I finally just kind of get over that, that hump? Mm. Um, here's what's crazy about this business. Um, you might get over the hump and then just over that hump, you see a downhill and you have to go downhill again. And then there might be another hump. I, I've went full time as a comedian three times in my life. So what that really means, I had to get a job many times, even when I was like extremely seasoned. There was times where I was working comedy clubs, opening for very big names all across the nation. But then I would come back to L.A. and I would walk by a homeless guy. That homeless guy is later sitting next to me in this telemarketing boiler room that I got to I got to like call and do scams on people just to pay my fucking rent. And -hmm. he's next to me. That same homeless guy walked by. He's calling people, too. Like that was after opening for someone extremely huge. And the next day I'm doing that shit. This we like to romanticize that like there's this finish line. It's not like that. Life is uh more like a fight. You might be whooping someone's ass, but then they take a single leg and then they're on top of you. You got to figure out a way to get back on top again. But then they might reverse that and get top of you. It's more like that. We like to think of it like this finish line. There is no finish line. You can get your ass whipped tomorrow by this business. <laughs> just when you're winning yesterday um i was on tv with kevin hart like like with kevin hart dude like looking at him went full time comedy for a year after that selling out places then after that i had to go work a sales job cuz everything dried up like it's so brutal like i'm i just i suggest learning like a masochistic mindset if you're really going to be about this entertainment because if you don't pop in the first five years you might be like me and where you just got to like grind your way into position constantly forever maybe forever um that's really what it is because the people that make it like they they like really blow up i've noticed it's within the first five years it's always or maybe six Mm. if they don't uh, then it's they might blow up way later patrice o'neill best comedian ever he said you either blow up way too late or way too soon mm-hmm. so it's never on time so for me it's going to be like way too fucking late to the point where i get it i don't even care matter of fact i can get it right now i don't care because i put too much in i'm like yeah cool great where were you <laughs> 10 years <laughs> ago like i'm i'm kind of dead inside i can't even enjoy this so um so if they do pop, they're going to be like five or six years in. Maybe they'll get like a big TikTok following or, you know, big social media, whatever. But now they're going to have to grow as an artist in the public eye, as opposed to the privilege I had, which is growing not in the public eye. I could actually get better and fail. They're going to have to fail while famous. So sure, they're going to get more money, but they're going to embarrass themselves more. Both both paths suck. Neither of them are wrong. But um. Either you make it five or six years in and you got to grow. You'll get a Netflix special that you're not ready for. A lot of my friends, I saw their Netflix <laughs> specials. Like, man, thank God I'm not that guy. But then I see the money's making. I'm like, mm, I'd rather be that guy. Uh, <laughs> or you have to grind your way out. And then if you're grinding your way out, there's no finish line. We like to romanticize that it's all going it, to, it doesn't end. You got to fight every day. You got to see
1: yes. how
2: much-
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, that's, that's, that's with anything, though, if you think about even like medical doctors, 14 years of extra school, so by the time you make your 300,000, your 500,000, some of you are making a million, uh, you surgeons out there, especially neurosurgeons, and it's like, but I'm old, but if they would have gave it to you, if you could have did that at 23, and if you would have got a Netflix special or whatever Netflix was, you know, Um, the the hot ticket you don't know if you'd be alive because the money and the maturity when they don't like I I pray to God I say thank God for what I don't have because I know me and I know my ways and yeah. I know that there's some things, I mean, you guys ain't seen Wildness until you give me money that I don't know how to handle too soon, too early. I'm talking about naked midgets, adult midgets. I'm talking <laughs> about clown midgets. I'm talking about on the airplane. I'm talking about crazy stuff that you haven't even seen and say, why? You, you know, yeah, why did we invite Bruce Jenner? He'll fit in right here, right? Like just Dorian Gray, crazy stuff because you got it too soon. All straight stuff, too, because I heard somebody say, hey, did you say Dorian? No, Dorian Gray. It's a book and a movie. I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> but, and he, he goes a little maybe too wild for me. but But because you are now, you know, seasoned with it, Like and your your YouTube is growing, and you know TikTok and all these other outlets are here to help folks. If you don't have a special, if you don't have a gig, have you looked at or do you get excited at all by being able to do some of it online and getting a check?
0: Yeah, that is uh, because then I have control of the content, but then I learned what people's tastes actually are, and then I'm like, shit, this where this is where it really got it messed me up. Because once YouTube really started popping and I was like uploading a lot of videos or getting like millions of hits and the money's good, by the way, better than Comedy Central, way better. Uh, Comedy Central, it's a little sad what they pay. But um, once I realized what people were into, um, I stopped respecting people's taste as much. So this is where it gets weird. I'm trying to figure out why I'm still doing this because it was to please people. I did like making people happy um, by trying to give them the best product I could. Then I realized they don't like the best product I can give them. They like what they like. And that's when I'm like, shit, even what I really truly love about this, which is making a product, getting best at what I can do or getting as, as good as I can get at what I do. It doesn't matter to them because they're going to buy what they buy. Um, I think Jay-Z said some shit like that, where he was like, I'm just trying to sell you what you what you want. Because yeah. we all know Jay-Z's super talented. He could do whatever he wanted. But he's like, I'm just trying to sell you what you buy. So he's they're calling him like this sellout. But he's like, I'm selling it to you. <laughs> You're the one that wants cheap shit. There you go. So the thing is, I don't know if I can keep doing cheap shit because I know that's what is actually selling. You know, that's what kind of, like the Heckler videos and stuff like that, it's cool. But to me, that's the cheap shit. I mean, a seasoned comic, if we're all sitting in the back, we make fun of crowd work. We make fun of all that because it's easy. And to the public, you know, they think that's the hard part. That's the easy part. You know, crowd work is like the Hail Mary pass. Because you're like shit, my material's not working. All right, I'm just start riffing, and it's an easy, cheap drug to get the the audience going. So now we got a bunch of five year, six year comedians that are learning how to do crowd work first before uh, doing material, and they're going viral because their crowd works going so well. But that's because crowd work is extremely easy once you learn it. It's you know because you're in control. Like I said, you probably had like 13 thoughts in the past five seconds because you're a smart guy. Your brain works fast well so does a comic and once they get comfortable they're going to think really fast on stage too but they didn't put any time in creating their material and now these fuckers are headlining clubs when they shouldn't be because they don't have the material so and in order for me to get views I got to do what these damn five year six year comedians are doing which is heckler this crowd work that. but I give them like a piece of art people don't know what good shit is unless it's forced down their throat you know so that's what's, uh, what's kind of messed up is that we're in this world where now we can go straight to the audience. There's no gatekeepers, there's no nothing. You can go straight to the audience. But now I know what audience is actually like and it's hard for me to respect their taste now. <laughs> so now I'm just like, what do I do this for? I don't know. So I'm going crazy. But now what's fun is since I'm going crazy, I want to see what it does to my act it might get even crazy like that's what i'm more interested in because i'm like I- i'm definitely losing my mind but this might be good it might it might be a new page you know yeah I... the, don't, the best... well don't
1: don't lose your mind do what you want to do because again the people I- i'm saying this not cody the people for the most part are morons. They don't know, they don't have taste. They don't know art. They, you know, I mean, you know, you you look at talking about Jay-Z he's took Basquiat's look, but when I look at a Basquiat, then I look at this painting behind me. I say, I know which one (laughs) I like more. Um, Basquiat was going through his own issues and, you know, he had his, he was great in his own way, but your lane is your lane. And the greats, George Carlin, they didn't they they did they're going to give you what they're going to give you you love it or hate it but it's classic same thing with patrice same thing yeah. with anything by paul Mooney. um i'm going to leave it there because I, you know i don't want to say and this person wasn't really all that uh, cuz people were like that's my favorite comedian ever um yeah. because some people are great storytellers but they you know comedy should almost damn near make you cry too that's why you're laughing like yeah. you're laughing but i mean cry like That's my life. Like when Bill Burr had to go to London to tell some of those jokes, (laughs) you know, there are some things that weren't going to fly in America the same way they were going to fly in the UK. And so do you, because I mean, Hey, you've been, if you've been broke before, what's the worst that can happen? And who knows that stuff you do and you might be something we've never seen before, which would always be exciting, you know?
0: yeah and so that's why i'm i'm kind of happy that i'm trapped doing what i only i can do because if i did have the ability to sell out i know in my spirit i would i'm just not very good at doing the cheap shit because i've tried doing the cheap shit where i was like man i just want to alleviate this pain i just i just want some money i'm tired of this fucking up and down shit but uh i i can't do it i'm not very good at the cheap stuff I, i i'm really bad at selling a lie um some of the comics I know that are really good at selling lies, they even do that off stage really well. They're just, they're just sociopaths, and I'm like, well, that's why they're, <laughs> that's why they're famous, you know, because they're able to sell a lie so well. People can smell when I'm lying. I don't, I don't. So it's like, I gotta be real. I gotta do what interests me, but if it leads me to failure, I gotta be cool with that. <laughs> I gotta be yeah. cool with it. Sometimes though, it'll mess with you. Sometimes, some days I'm like, cool, I'll be like this kamikaze pilot. I'll go, I don't care. Then other days you see what other people get in this business. You're like, how the fuck did they get a special? How the fuck? And then you start, um, you start spiraling. And they say, oh, don't compare yourself. Well, in comedy, you have to compare yourself. You have to see even just the laughs every night even if you're doing a show and you're not listening to what the dude is saying, you gotta be listening to his laughs. I'm like, all right, I need to match that. Cause he's going probably about he's, he's hitting something every like 10 seconds. I need to match that. I need to go bang, 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 you know? So the art requires comparison. You're not going to get away from that. There's other lanes in life where you don't have to compare yourself and boy, do I envy those, but comedy is, it's designed to drive you mad if you're doing it. So you know that's just what it is i'm 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 not trying to present a problem without a solution just to be dark i'm just saying sometimes there's just problems and no solutions you know and that's for anyone who might be interested in going down this path this is what you will deal with and you're going to want a solution sometimes life isn't like that you just it's just going to be a problem forever <laughs> you know
1: (laughs) and and again it's lifing it's adulting there was a twilight zone episode back in the day 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 and the comedian was so funny on stage and then off he would you know he would be in his little bubble and he was just depressed and so many comedians deal with that but so many entertainers period deal with that because when you're on your stage you're going for the laughs you got it you're making you want to make people happy and when it's time to say cut now I got to go back into whatever real life was. How do you control that for you? Is it therapy? Is it pills? Is it helping? You know, and, and it goes into my other question of, and you can answer that secondly, like what is your community give back? Because sometimes that helps people, including myself. Like the more I give, the more I live, the more I can see happiness in others. So whatever I'm going through, it's all right you know, I'm helping somebody. <laughs> I'll work through it. So give us the game on how you deal with that comedic depression and your community give back that you're doing now or would like to do in the future.
0: Yeah. I, for community give back, I had to get outside of comedy to find that. I really did. You know, and I do recommend that, especially if you're um, if you're in Los Angeles pursuing comedy, particularly um, because uh the interactions in la they're not very fulfilling everything feels like a job interview because it is <laughs> uh, so your sense of community will go away in the business so you got to find it elsewhere i love jujitsu you're going to meet some really good people in jujitsu right because they're being humbled by people like man i got choked out by this 19 year old girl who looks 14 she's this beast purple belt from brazil There's nothing I could do, and I'm a grown-ass man. And she was choking me. I was like, nothing I can do. Fuck. That does something to you. It makes you humble and it just I don't know, like it shatters your ego. Because your ego is probably the the main perpetrator of your depression, right? So when you shatter it, it does help. And then I I met a lot of people through jujitsu that were just they're just cool. There's not a lot of ego. And in comedy, there's tons of ego. So I would say if you're looking for community, don't be afraid to look outside of what you do. Take pottery or some shit. Take something, you know, join a running club. Um, I think jujitsu is number one. Like, and I'm not trying to be Mr. Joe Rogan. That that (laughs) dude annoys me, but that you're going to meet like very humbled people because it's such a brutal thing. And you just end up meeting some really awesome people. Um, so that's how I got the community back. But now I'm starting to go really headfirst into comedy again. My community's starting to go away. The comedic depression's coming back. But I know it's a gift because I write better when I'm depressed. That's where it, so you know, I had like a good uh especially the pandemic, I had a nice two years of normal life that I never got to have. I had some community, didn't have to go out for shows got some government money because i luckily had a good 2019 that you know they're like oh this guy makes this much yeah totally (laughs) and they they started paying me like they like i did in 2019 and i got to enjoy like a normal life with my wife and it was great but uh, artistically i was starved i couldn't write man i was running out of stuff because i was happy so that's that's the cost some comics man they could be funny while happy i know a few happy guys that are funny like this guy named jeff die i'm like man this dude's like his whole life is all green lights and you can tell he's just a happy guy and he's funny being happy i'm not like that um i'm happy when i'm silly but i'm always working with some sort of like pain always so now i got the pain back and i'm writing some good stuff man (laughs) I got yeah. the paint back. You know? No, I,
1: I totally get that. I get that. And I think a lot of creatives get that because you see so many even musicians that pen can dry up and, he, and you know, somebody giving you lines. Fine. We we all love to write. You, you've probably written for, you know, many of people as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the same. Not Involuntarily. The same <laughs> yeah. yeah <hey. laughs> Well, hey, you know, I mean, if Carlos Mancia sees your show, it is what it is. But, you know, and I I enjoy Carlos Mancia, but it is what it is. Or whomever has been accused of, you know, it's it's like when you said the thing about Joe Rogan. The thing about you and Joe is when people know that you know how to train yourself, I bet you they don't want to try you too much because it's different than someone trying a Chris Rock or someone who they don't know. But, you know, there's going to be a time. And I, and I don't wish for it. you're gonna run up on the wrong comedian and he's gonna show his you know all his rights that he gets to carry. It might be in Texas is what I'm thinking yeah. uh, and and he's gonna show you why you should never run up on anyone, whether it's a Dillinger or whatever he has on you. Don't come on that stage unless you want to be carried off. That's the rule,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> like I don't know what it is like people feel very confident against comedians to the point where now it's just getting physical thanks to will smith and then but it's happened a few times before that just with like non non non-famous comedians and drunk people Mm. because i want to make you laugh i look weak and desperate because i need your approval but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going on in the comedian's head they might be you know totally different from that and then they someone tries them and then they snap but uh Society does that. Society likes to pick on the clowns because the clowns are presenting problems, but nobody wants to attack the problems that the clowns are presenting. Nobody wants to actually talk about that, like especially with cancel culture, um, which that does exist. I'm so sick of people saying it doesn't exist just because cancel culture doesn't work. You can't cancel someone, but it doesn't mean the culture is not there. So mm. that's my stance on that. A lot of woke people are like, oh, well, how come so and so is still working if cancel culture is real? that's because they survived doesn't mean that you didn't want to end them the culture's there so a lot of cancel culture is aimed at comedians because they're presenting problems very very tense emotional whatever political all these problems but they want to attack the comedian instead of what they're presenting and it's always been that way but now it's getting to the point where they're now they got to fight <laughs>
2: after they got to
1: but they're they're opening up opportunities. I don't know if you've heard about this, but you know, we know Cosby's gonna get on the road. But this is breaking news from Kellen Express News. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um Andrew Tate's gonna join him on that uh comedy thing. He's gonna back at security. I'm making all this up. But you know, oh. Cosby and Andrew Tate. Um, <laughs> if you want to get on this ticket, Cody, let me know. But um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll there's, take
0: there's it. No... <laughs> I need it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Tell people, you know, while we round up, because I want them to go to your channel and just kind of binge watch and subscribe and just zone out. But tell the folks, you know, especially the people who think they want to get in this, the amount in comedy, you know, when you're doing shows, people say, oh, man, I heard so-and-so got 15 grand. And I tell people I've known clubs to book two comedians that you know for, you know, and they brought somebody with them for less than Um, 5,000, you know, how, how has, how can a new comedian look at the money, as well as how do you get yourself booked outside of the Californias, the Vegas, you know, the El Pasos, and up to New York, like you guys just all you know, are you on a circuit, you know, give them all the game, because they can go to your website and see where you are in, you know, Vegas and Cali, but I just want them to get a, a teachable moment.
0: Yeah, Uh, don't be afraid to produce your own shows in areas that you think are desolate, because those are actually your best areas because you have less competition of things going on that night. Like I almost always avoided the big cities when I was producing my own shows uh, because I got to compete with like karaoke night over here, maybe even a comedy club over here, like uh. You know, New Orleans was probably the only good big city where we sold out. Other than that, we we kind of stuck to the suburbs or the sticks or or whatever, just outside, you know, instead of Indianapolis. I went to like Gary, Indiana, Indiana, uh, you know, areas like that. Go to the places where they really need comedy because you're going to sell more tickets and those people need it more and they're going to love you more. Just, just go there. If you're not big enough to sell out in like a Chicago or a Portland, doesn't matter. Take away the pride and go to somewhere you've never even heard of and just do a show. Plus, you'll get to know America because a lot of perceptions about America are uh, sort of exaggerated by the media. You'll be shocked at what's really out there and how people really think. Um, and you'll also be shocked at some of the stuff that you expect to be true to Fucking be true. (laughs) But (laughs) but you'll at least know for real what America is. Um so go out, pick the markets that are not so um overly saturated, and you'll you'll make some money, man. You you will. And have an hour of material. Don't don't go touring if you don't have an hour. And by an hour, I mean three hours. Because what are you gonna do when the first hour ain't working? Gonna have another hour. Well, if that's not working, have another hour. Some of these fuckers get like 45 minutes and like, I'm a headliner. It's like, yeah, what if that 45 wasn't working and you have to fill in that other 15? Because you're <laughs> what are you going to do? Just be real about when you're a headliner. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with not having an hour. I'd rather be a comic with a killer 20 minutes than an all right hour. That killer 20 minutes will open doors for you. And by killer, I mean laughs every 10 to 13 seconds. The Richard Pryor standard of killing an audience, 13 seconds. Fuck all this long setup bullshit that's on YouTube. It's bang, 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 bang. Because these rough audiences, that's what they want. They, they're they like, ha-ha, next. Ha-ha, next. I paid you. Keep going. Because you're going to have to learn to fucking work that speed bag. And when you got 45 minutes of material, cut it down to 30. Keep the jokes cut all those setups trim it to 30 now you're tight and then write another 30 as tight as that now you got an hour that's a bang 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 hour that's an hour so that's my advice you know don't force this shit and go to the go to the go to the sticks go to, go to the forgotten lands and you'll make your money and you'll have the best fans you'll ever meet so booking your own
1: shows, you can create your own bag and now you're not just a comedian, you're a business person. But but if they do book with someone else, you know, what are the ranges especially for new comedians or maybe season? Yeah. cuz people think, "Oh, I get that one thing and I'm to the moon." But like is it, you know, is it 50 bucks still or is it, you know, you should be looking at 500 in in some markets.
0: Okay. Yeah. It, it's it's all of it. If you're in town passing through and it's only a $50 gig available, go over there, do the 50 bucks, do it. It'll be good for you. Even though, let's say you're getting 500 in the other town. Let's say you got 1500 in the other town, but you got that night off, stage time is still worth it. 50 bucks, prove to yourself that you're willing to eat shit. You're willing to still do that. It doesn't mean your price is 50 bucks just cause you took 50 bucks. That doesn't mean that. It means that you're still tough enough to do what you did your first few years, which is taking $50 gigs every now and then, sometimes for free. Do it just to stay tough. Doesn't mean your price is 50 bucks just cause you did it for 50 bucks. I do little bullshit ass gigs sometimes, you know, for cheap, you know, just because I'm like, I-, I need to do that. Plus I know if they're only paying 50 bucks, probably nobody paid for a ticket, which means it's probably an audience that got in for free, which means they're not gonna respect the show. Which means this is going to be a rough, shitty-ass show. I need to go do that real quick, just to see if I can still control people like that. Uh, paying audience, they're a little easy to control because they've, they've invested. They're actually a little bit... They're little... They're more demanding, but they're more respectful. A free audience. Mm. Free audience, they don't demand... They're just like, whatever, we're here. That's a whole other energy. And if you make those people laugh, you're going to destroy the paying audience. You're gonna do amazing. So, so just because you um, take something that you think is less of your price doesn't mean it really is your price. Just take it, especially if you got nothing going on that day. Don't let your pride get in the way of, you know, some grocery money and you know a chance to maybe work out some new jokes. But the the pay scale, I wish I could be specific, man. But it's insane. It's the variation is ridiculous. It's absurd. It makes no sense. The club pay the club pay has gone up. The I can at least be specific on that. Um you'll probably get maybe 25 to 50 bucks more than what they used to pay before the pandemic because they finally adjusted to inflation. They should have did that since the 80s. Let's just say that's how low this shit was. Cuz before it was like 50 bucks to host, 100 bucks to feature and then anywhere between 200 to 15,000 to headline. Depends on who you are and what you worked out. Everything's kind of gone up. Um I think I I opened for somebody recently and I looked at the check expecting like 2015 payout, but no, they they paid uh probably about double. What they but it still wasn't shit because they're starting at not shit. So you double not shit. It's still uh, but the the pay's gone up i definitely wouldn't do this for money i would try to do this uh lane uh, comedy for spiritual reasons and fame go after fame uh people that are hungry to be famous in this business they do really well that's why i don't really do so well i don't know if i'm not a narcissist so i have like a harder time Pursuing fame the way some of the other people do. And I'm not shitting on narcissists. I'm just saying I don't crave attention to the level that I need to in order to grow in this business. You should crave attention, not money. Try to get as much attention as possible. Uh, On social media, through the industry, audiences, try to make your name huge. Don't worry about the money. So for the people that are success driven, focus on fame, not money. The money will come after.
2: The so. money
1: will come, and I, I like what you said about different areas, and even outside of America. I mean, there's like a community I was told about recently, uh, Guanajuato in Mexico, and in the middle of all this, you know, chaos, there's this like HOA home, maybe an hour away, HOA complex that they say the uh, the americans or who, who's ever there don't even leave nor do they speak english or speak spanish at all because they're like in this big luxurious bubble in the middle of chaos but wow i've seen you know I've, i'm gonna talk to you about this off air we're gonna talk about africa off air you guys what oh, you yeah. guys like trip if Co- you saw cody in africa and like hold on he he's in Africa doing comedy, um, but there's com- people who have done it. So we're gonna talk about that off air. I know you did want to mention um, you had a childhood friend like your brother. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, you wanted to, you wanted to mention. Hey, I'm gonna let you tell that story however you want to tell it and how he plays into your story before we wrap.
0: Yeah. So um, so his name's Kyle Wilson. I just saw him a couple weeks ago. I was in Wichita doing shows. And uh, he's training kids out there because he was an NFL athlete and he's going to go back into the CFL, I think. Um, but uh, he, as a kid, he always wanted to be a football player. I remember when he was like five, I was probably about like 10, you know, and he said, I'm gonna be in the NFL. I was like, well, I'm gonna be a comedian. Right. And we both did. We both did what we wanted to do. We we put all we, we put it all in and we just did it. And there's not a lot of people I can relate to because a lot of people just give up on their dreams and there's nothing wrong with that. This shit's painful. But um, yeah, so, all right. Kyle is a black kid. I'm a white kid. I was raised by his family because my mom used to work so much. And then I had to switch schools because some jurisdiction, whatever thing. And then I went to, you know, the school that uh, the Wilson family was going to woods they're wilson and then that's when i just sort of got baptized by culture you know uh and it was good it was good being the odd man out it was so good and um and it was funny as kyle was always the little kid when we played football he was always like a little small and i mean he got tore up man he got destroyed but then he got so good that he eventually went to i think arkansas state um, I think he's the best defensive player on that team really smart at reading plays like he sees them before they happen so he can get it's all about position with him he's not like crazy athletic but he can just see stuff happen before it happens and he'd just be there for the hit and then he gets drafted uh to the Eagles the Philadelphia Eagles uh the year after they won the Super Bowl right we'll see if they win again but the year after and that's the. That's the same year that I shot Heart of the City in Oakland with Kevin Hart, and he's a Philly fan. So then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna motivate Kyle. I bought Kyle's jersey, and then I filmed Kevin Hart. I was like, hey man, I got a I got a gift for you. I know you're a Philly fan, but I'm a fan of this guy. This, this is basically my brother who I grew up with. I need you to put this on, and I'm gonna send a video to Kyle. And then I did like he recorded it, and you know he's like, Kyle gets some fucking hits, man. And he's got his jersey on, and then. Uh, and it it, I gave Kyle like at least a peek you know like a, just a little moment of peek because it's the same as comedy he just he got that little peek and then uh, then after that Philly dropped him and then he went over to the Chargers he's with them for a bit and then now I think he's in the CFL so he's he's got this same up and down road you know just because it's your dream doesn't mean it's gonna love you just because you love your dream doesn't mean it's gonna love you back you know, so he's, he's in the same up and down road. He's trying to get back to the league. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, these dreams, this is what we have, but think about this at what you do in life, you went for it. You are doing it, you know, professionally. And there's some people, whether you're Kyle, whether you're a comedian and you're Cody, there's some people sitting right now checking a Walmart receipt because they didn't try and they didn't try, or they're in a cubicle, and they might be making a ton of money, because you guys thought I was going to pick on the, the poor workers only. No, they might make a ton of money, Wall Street, but they're ready to jump out that window, and they may just do that because they didn't follow their dream. Like Following that dream, it, it, it's, it's orgasmic. It's like, yes, I tried, and most people in life will not try. That's why we don't have you know the all the stars in the world people think they're stars on instagram but i know what you're really getting paid you're (laughs) not you're 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 not but go for that dream and that's what why i do what i do where people say kellen but you could you could say that speech better than me that you wrote i know but that wasn't my dream it was my dream to write the speech you say it you live your life i'm gonna i have my time i don't worry kellen kellen has his time um, but I appreciate you coming on and I want people to go follow you. Great storytellers always have them wanting something more. Tell them where the best way to follow you at, where they can, you know, follow you. Maybe you even respond and connect here. And there. Yeah.
0: Uh, for my content is youtube it's definitely just cody woods to type it in c-o-d-y-w-o-d-s if you want to connect with me luckily my instagram is not popping so i i see messages <laughs> yeah, youtube it's harder for me to see stuff because it's uh you know it's kind of buried um but at cody j woods is uh my instagram so i only got about eight thousand followers on there so i see i see what people type you know so uh Reach out to me, check out my youtube stuff though that's that's where my vision is. I think uh comedians can be like the best um travel storytellers if they incorporated their road life with the stand up footage, it would be the best travel show on the planet. I think uh so that's what I try to do i'm trying to I'm trying to merge travel film with stand up as both, sort of like Anthony Bourdain meets. David tells insomniac you know meets some key and peel a little bit you know just some sketch and stand-up vloggy travel stuff a new brand that's people uh, people don't know to look for it that's the problem but I'm trying to give them something new you know
1: so. Yeah, it, well, it's popping up. Um, I'm glad that I saw it because it, it gives me, I, I'm the one who gets, I get sad when I don't hear other good stuff and I see people laughing at like, why are you laughing at that? I don't care who it is. I don't care how big they are, you know, but why? That's not funny. But you guys, we'll talk about that offline. You guys have done your job by making it to the end and I thank you. Most of you are listeners, but do not feel scared to go over to the YouTube or wherever you see this on video. Share it with someone, put up those numbers, share it with someone, because it will change their life. You guys, be blessed.
2: Are you tired of the rat race in America? Are you ready to visit the motherland to relax and rejuvenate? Are you ready to explore all that Africa has to offer? Then check out the brand new Diversified Game Academy course, prepare for my first trip to Africa. Are you worried about being able to afford the trip? We got you. We will show you how to travel either on a budget or as a baller. Learn how to stress the value of the USD, Did you know that 100 United States dollars is worth over 1,000 South African Rand or 10,000 Kenyan shillings or 54,250 West African CFA? Are you worried about taking your kids? Get the game from Kelly Cash, a bona fide world traveler, having traveled to almost 20 countries, several of those in Africa. Get the game on taking your kids on their first trips. Learn how to find the best tickets, get the visas, and plan your own adventures in Africa. Don't let Eddie Murphy have all the fun. Plan your own coming to Africa trip, starring you, produced by you, and featuring you. If you are ready for a life-changing experience, sign up for our course today, Diversified Game Academy. Get prepared and purchase at diversifiedgame.com.